Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Well, I am excited to be with you guys today at Milestone Church and Pastor Jeff and Brandy. I want to say uh, it is an honor. We were able to celebrate with you guys uh, at the grand opening of the building uh, last, uh, last spring. And it's just awesome. To be, how many of y'all appreciate God's gift to you guys in this building, in this facility? Come on now. This is not happening everywhere, by the way. And specifically, I want to say to you, Pastor Jeff, you know, we are dear friends. Truth is, I'm his pastor, but he, I, he helps me, speaks into my life. We are dear, dear friends, and Brandy as well with my wife, Jennifer. And uh, so we are so grateful for them, and we're proud of what God's done through their life. We were with them when they were in pastoring in Abilene, uh, and then they came over here. And I think there's still some founding members as well uh, in the church with you guys and uh, in the team. You know what God's given you in the gift of a couple uh, when there's an amazing team around. So how many grateful for Pastor Jeff, Brandy, and the dynamic team. Come on, the team here. Awesome team you guys have. So Pastor Jeff asked me, so many new people uh, in the church, and uh, I see a lot of familiar faces, uh, but there is a lot of new faces. Uh, we were able to speak last night, the five o'clock service, which by the way, is a great service. By the way, I would go to church at five o'clock. Let me tell you why. You get to sleep in twice. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm just telling you, you're missing out. You're just missing out. So, but we, we had a great time. And, and pastor asked me, he said, you know, the, there's so many new people in the church and I want them to get to know you a little bit and hear your story. And, and uh, a number of years ago, about six years ago, Pastor Jeff, I, I, I talked about the process of a dream. The process of a dream. See, one of the things that I know that God does in all of our lives is God puts a dream in our heart. But there is a process from the moment when that dream is placed in your heart until the fulfillment of that dream. As a matter of fact, there is a process. God is into process. God is into, watch this, bringing us from faith to faith, glory to glory, strength to strength. You know there's a lie in the body of Christ. Let me tell you what the lie is. You guys ready for this? Here's the lie. That they are a mature Christian. Oh, that person, they're a mature Christian. No, no. Nobody arrives. In other words, nobody is fully cooked this side of heaven. They are a maturing Christian. I tell, our, I tell our churches all the time, and you guys have heard me, because uh, every year I come, pastor invites me to come. But here's what I say. We are all in a crock pot on low. Now, I'm, pro I'm the product of the 70s generation. My mom was a teacher, and so she did everything in a crock pot. I mean, we had roast in crock pot. We had meatballs in crock pot. She washed our clothes in the crock pot, everything. <laughs> I mean, you just put it on. You don't have to do anything, right? And it just comes out. And, there's this concept in the body of Christ that you, know, that you can somehow reach this point. I don't believe that, but I do believe that you can grow. Matter of fact, here's a statement that I've said for years. Here it is. I do not believe that God, watch this, don't miss this. God does not require perfection, but he does expect progress in our lives. In other words, somebody told me once, you know, Jesus loves me right where he found me. Absolutely, but he does want you to get up and walk with him. And when you get up and walk with him, you grow. Everybody say growth. Matter of fact, everything healthy, when I look in this word, Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, when I look in this book, I see that healthy people grow, healthy families grow. By the way, healthy churches grow. Healthy things grow. Healthy communities grow. 
You know, like pastor, I had the opportunity to go to college and I actually did it reverse. I went to college, then I went to Bible school, then I went to seminary after that. And it's interesting, one of the big terms we learned uh, when we were in seminary was this, this big theological term called the hypostatic union. And basically, here's what it means. We believe at our church, Church of the King, and of course, church, Milestone Church, we believe that Jesus was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. It wasn't like 50-50 makes 100%. No, no, no. 100% God and 100% man. And that's what's called theologically the hypostatic union. Now, interestingly enough, there is a scripture in the Bible that bespeaks of the growth that Christ had to go through in his humanity. And I remember the first time when I read this years ago as a new believer, I thought, this is amazing. This scripture is amazing. And it's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, and Jesus, what's that next word? Say it increased. Now there's three dimensions. Number one, he increased in wisdom. Yes, Jesus of Nazareth in his humanity, the Bible says he increased in wisdom. Number two, in stature. He was not placed on the earth as a mature man like Adam was, but he was born a baby in a manger. We know the story, right? In Bethlehem. And yet there was a physiological growth. We don't know all the insights. We, we got a, a blink of him at the birth and then at 12 years old, we know that. And then of course at 30, it is baptism. And so there was a physiological maturity and growth that took place. But also the Bible says, number three, he grew in favor with God and man. And I'll never forget Pastor Jeff when I saw that. I thought to myself, if Jesus Christ of Nazareth had to grow, how much more do I? If he had to grow in favor with God and man, how much more do I? If he had to grow in wisdom, how much more do I? Let me tell you, everything that's alive and healthy is growing. Now, I want to say this to you. There is a moment when your spiritual growth begins. And that's the moment when you get born again. I do not believe that you evolve into becoming a Christian. Well, you know, I just kind of grew up in a Christian home. I, no, no, I believe there's a moment where the Bible says you go from death to life. You are born again. Your spirit, you're, you, you were dead in your trespasses and sin, and then you were born again. And the Holy Spirit comes to live in your heart, and you become a new person in Christ. Paul says this to the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here's what he says. He said, if anyone is in Christ, they are a what? A new creation. Not, listen, not renovated, but new construction. We are a new creation of Christ. So there's a moment when you give your heart to Christ, you're born again. That moment, your spiritual journey, it begins. Some of you have heard my story before. And the pastor knew there were so many new people at church. He said, tell me your story a little bit. I was uh, born in, and well, I was raised in South Louisiana. And uh, in a, and I say this respectfully, I love all churches that, that, that preach Christ. Our church was, was a very liturgical church, very high church. You walk in, and I say this respectfully, uh, you kind of got extra credit for not moving around. Matter of fact, my mom would bring us there. My mom was real strong, you know, and strong. She was a principal, you know, a real strong person. And I remember my brother and I, uh, we, we had a, I have a little younger sister, much younger than me, but, but, but my brother and I, we would just be in church. And I mean, she'd just look at it. I mean, if you moved in church, you may see Jesus. How many know what I'm talking <laughs> From your mom. She may just transport you quickly with her backhand. I'm serious. It's like, don't you? She, she put her fingers on my neck. And I'm like, I wanted to just embarrass her. Like, ah! This woman, I wanted to say, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. One day she came home and, and she said, Steve, listen, Stephen Keith, we're going to go to a new church next weekend. I thought, a new church? Where are we going to go? Oh, you, we're going to go to a new church next weekend. It's 1980. I was born in 1968. It's night. I'm 12 years old. And 
And uh, I never forget, we walked into this church. I'd never seen anything like it before. I walked in, there's like drums and, and guitars and, and people all over the place. And I, I, I look, Keith, man, I didn't know this was like legal in church. This is incredible. I mean, this is 1980, and I remember, forget this, this lady had this long hair in front of me, and I, I would try to dodge her body and her hair as she'd swing all around, people lifting hair. I thought, oh, this is great. I know, this is, is this church? And then the preacher. I mean, when I, we grew up, I mean, the guy would just talk real monotone and good man, but this guy would actually get off the pulpit, hit little steps, and he'd walk towards you, man, and he'd kind of snarl. i never forget one time, I told my brother, he's coming for you, you devil. <laughs> I told him, man, he just, I was just, he's just coming right for you, man, it's just freaky. And then, and then, by the way, then I learned, I learned something, I learned about a prayer list. I never forget one time that I, I, I saw in my mom's prayer list the very top name, my heathen son, Steve. <laughs> I was on her prayer list. You know, there was another term that I learned in this church. It was called intercessor. Anybody know what an intercessor is? It's like people that really pray. They really believe God answers and shows up, does stuff. And there was this lady in the church, Miss Luisa Alvarez. She was from Chile, and she was just a powerful intercessor. And, and my mom, my mom would ask anybody that she could know, anybody should meet you. Would you pray for my son? He needs Christ. He is a heathen. I mean, this kid needs Jesus so bad. I mean, I had everybody. I, I mean, literally, I had saints, New Orleans Saints football players. would come, Literally, I had a guy come visit me at my house. My, how do you even know? Well, your mom saw me, you know, and she asked me, and she said, you play football. And so I had this guy show up at my house. And everybody was praying for me. I, I was scared to even go into my living room because my mom would send money to Christian television preachers to pray. You know, my, your mom sent $10. Pray for a little heathen in New Orleans. You know what I'm saying? I'm serious. It was just like, all over. well, this lady would come. I had to go to church as a kid, by the way. My parents made me go to church. There was no option. It's like, you don't go to church, you're not getting lunch money. I'm open. Okay, I'm open. So I'm sitting in the back of church, and I'd go, you know, and, and I'd sit back there, and I had this, like, long blonde hair, just kind of like, yeah, man. It's like kind of flock of seagulls looking, you know, it's just like... And I ran. I, come on, y'all know what I'm talking about, 19. Don't look so holy in church. You listen to the flock of seagulls if you're 48. Oh, yeah, you did. So this little Spanish lady, she come pray for me. Girls, she had two girls, exact age of my brother and I. Girls, come, we pray for the heathen boy. Come, 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 come. They would come by me every Sunday. They'd come back, we pray for him, we pray. He needs Jesus so bad. Come, 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 come. So they'd come and pray, and they'd get right by me, and I'd be like, ah, oh, here they come. You know, it's crazy prayer lady. You know what I'm saying? Ah. And so she'd come up, and she'd go, oh, we put it for him. We put it for him. Oh, we come. And when she'd get right in front of me, she'd, she'd, she'd stop, and she goes, devils out, Jesus in. That's a big prayer, you know, devils. I'm like, ma'am, I'm not that bad. But anyway, let me just tell you this. Listen, so my mom, and she just harassed me in prayer. Matter of fact, I'll just be honest. If you have a mom that is a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, and she's praying for you. Let me tell you, just give up. You can't even enjoy your sin. <laughs> I'd be sinning. My mom's face would just show up, you know. <laughs> Finally, I gave, I gave my heart to Christ. I was, I was, I was born again, and, and, and it really was. I'm not saying this to be hokey. If you're not a believer, man, we love people that come to church and aren't believers. They, they're checking out Christianity. I know a lot of people in Milestone are just checking this church Jesus, whole thing out. Listen to me. This, uh, this is going to sound hokey, but the sky really was bluer the next day. I thought, this is, this is real. 
I walk with God. Let me tell you what happens. Now watch this. When you get born again, when you give your heart to Christ, let me tell you what happens. I think there's actually two things that happen. Number one, the first thing that happens is God, the Holy Spirit, watch this, comes to take up residence in your heart. Do you know the Bible actually says that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? I know we go to church, which is a building, but the church, the people of God. But the Bible says our bodies, Paul says that in, in, to the church of Corinth, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of God comes to live on the inside of us. But number two, here's what I believe. I believe that the Spirit of God is not only take up residence, but I believe that God blows, watch this. It's like he goes, and I think that the dream of God, God blows his dream into our hearts. I believe that God has placed a dream in your heart. How it gets out, how you walk through that process to seeing it developed and matured. I want to talk to you today about the process of a dream. Everybody say process. The process of a dream. I want to do it. It's real simple. Three points I'm going to give you. I'm going to wrap my story around the story of a man who's a patriarch, one of our Old Testament heroes of faith. The Bible calls Abram, who later changes his names, later changed to Abraham, the father of the multitudes. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to read a story about how God calls a man unto himself, but then he also blows his dream into his heart. Genesis chapter 12, number one, God is the dream giver. God is the dream giver. Look, look what the scripture says. Genesis chapter 12, verse one. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I, and I will bless you. And I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, Abram, watch this. This is a powerful proposition. In you, Abram, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed through you. That's a big deal. How'd you like it if God showed up to you and told you that? That, that is a big deal. So two things happen. Number one, Abram, if you read chapter 11, Abram was a polytheist. He, he dwelt, the Bible says, in the land of Ur, of the Chaldeans. He was, we are monotheistic. Mono is the Latin word, which means one. Monotheism, a belief in God, theists. So we believe in one God, right? Three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, one God, three persons. Now watch this, this is interesting. Abram believed in many gods. He was a polytheist. Poly is many multitudes, it means. All right? So he's, he's worshiping all these gods. And, and, and what happens is God, Jehovah God, calls him unto himself and brings him into covenant relationship. Right? God is the one that brings us into relationship with him. We don't initiate that. God initiates it in our lives. Just like, let me tell you, just like God was, God was, God was searching, watch this, he was hunting me down in a very good way, proverbially speaking. And the same way, some of you, God, you don't realize this, but all the people in your life, the roommate you had in college, the persons that work into you, next to you right now, God has strategically designed people to, quote, draw you to himself. In the same way, that's what God did with Abram. And, and God drew Abram to himself and, 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 and brought him into relationship. But then God, watch this, God went, and God blew this dream into his heart. He's going to be the father of many nations. He's going to be a father and have a family. And his families, all the families on the earth are going to be blessed. It's a big deal. God put the dream in Abram's heart. Abram didn't generate it. God placed it there. Number one, God is the dream giver. 
You know, people have asked me this before. They've come up to you and say, Pastor, how do I know? Here's what they said. How do I know if like this thing in my heart, if it's like a God dream or just like, if it's a God idea or a good idea? You ever wondered that before? I'm sure you have. Maybe you've gone up to Pastor Jeff or one of the pastors who said, you know, this thing in my heart, it's, I, I'm, I'm trying to discern through it. I'm trying to figure it out. Is it, is it like a God thing or is it just a good idea? I know Pastor, and I so appreciate Pastor Jeff and his teaching. He's a phenomenal Bible teacher. I know he's taught series on how to discern the voice of God and hear to, how to hear God. And, and so I don't, I don't suppose right now to lay out all the points, but I'm going to give you one clear characteristic that I see in the Bible that'll help you to define how do you know if the thing in your heart, watch this, is a God dream or not. And let me say this, this is so, 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 so important because it happened in Abram's life. You see, you have to understand something about Abram and Sarah. Number one, Sarah was 65 years old. Abram was 75 years old. And number two, the Bible says that Sarah, watch this, was barren in her womb. So in other words, God was asking them to do something that was impossible in the natural. I know what some of you think, you know, pastor, you know, 75 and 65 Bible times. I mean, that's like toddlers. Didn't they live like almost a thousand years? I know some people have asked me that, but you know, that's not old. I mean, if you're living 900 years, my Methuselah was like 965. You're right, before the flood. Do you remember what happened after the flood? God says, I'm going to cut man's life short to 120. Do you know that last year, somebody in Slidell, Louisiana, was 111 years old and died? Oldest person in the world right now, I think, is 117 years old. I think they live in France. So we're not talking about something that's like totally dead. After the flood, Genesis chapter 6, people were living in that 120-year realm. So, it, and matter of fact, we're getting real close to that today. Watch what you eat for lunch. But anyway, <laughs> so you got somebody that's past the age of childbearing, right? Plus their womb is barren. And yet God's asking them, listen, and God's telling them, you're going to be a father with Sarah. You two together are going to produce a family that's going to bless families throughout the whole earth. It looked impossible. How do you know, Pastor, if God is asking you to do something, if it's a God dream or a good dream, if it's a God idea versus a good idea? One quality. The weight of that, it's so big. It's so grand. It's so big. Watch this. That the weight of that actually pushes you to a place of dependency where you actually need God's help to accomplish God's dream. So in other words, if you can accomplish it in your own, great, good idea, but it's not necessarily a God idea because God ideas and God dreams are so big and so great, you need God to fulfill them. Say, pastor, what happened to you? See, I really believe this with all of my heart. God is a dream giver. I, I uh, matter of fact, I, I grew up and uh, my parents were very educated. My dad's an attorney. My mom's a principal. They put such a high value on education, which I do today as well. And, and so I went to, I was going to play football in college. I ended up going to Tulane University. Long story, made sure it got hurt and I didn't end up playing. And I got a different scholarship uh, to go to college. And, and so I, I have a degree in rhetoric, which means nothing. Literally, it, I, I got increasingly confused by my junior. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm talking. This is like so confusing. It's logic and Aristotelian logic. And I was learning about all kinds of stuff. And it was interesting stuff. But I, I was trying to, how does this apply? Unless you're a preacher or you go to law school. My dad's an attorney. My brother-in-law's an attorney. My other brother-in-law's an attorney. I have all these attorneys in my house. And I do believe there are some attorneys that go to heaven. Five. If you're an attorney, come talk to me. I'll see if God says you're one of the ones. But anyway, <laughs> it's in the book of Revelation somewhere. I'm telling you. 
your name has to be, but okay, so I'm just playing. So, so I, I was going to go to law school and that's what I was going to do. And, but God was putting a dream in my heart. God was blowing his dream. I was born again now. I'm a freshman in college. I got born again and sophomore. I'm excited about the Lord. And, and, and God blew this dream in my heart to, to, to be a preacher. And I, I never forget walking out. I called my mom and dad. I said, listen, uh, I need you guys to sit down. And, uh, and I, I need to talk to you all. And uh, so I walked in there. And yes, yeah, Steve. And I said, you know, you need to be taking your LSAT. LSAT, your law school entrance exam. All the lawyers in here, you know what that is. And, and so, and I had really, you know, I, I'd say this humbly, I had really good grades. I was really positioned for all that stuff. And, and, and so, so, so I, was, I was ready. And I said, all right, here it is. I got to sit down and talk to you guys. I want to say this on a positive note. I am going to finish college. I'm going to finish. But I'm not going to go to law school. I, um, God's been speaking to me, and I feel called to ministry. I'm going to be a preacher. That's what I'm going to be. And I never forget my mom. She just, she put her head in her face. She went, oh my God. My son is going to be so poor. Oh my God. She literally told me that. Now remember they prayed for me to get saved for seven years. I guess I got two saved. I mean, I just got extra saved. You know, it's like extra hot, double shot. I mean, I don't know, you know. So God was putting that dream and I couldn't shake it. Everybody say, God is. Come on, you got to say it better. Say, God is the dream giver. God was putting that dream in my heart. Number, number two, the second thing that I began to see, and I'm just going to take you through this story. Number two, as I, I've learned 30 years walking with Jesus, is that delays are always inevitable. God will put that dream in your heart. It'll be a God dream. That thing will grip you. You'll know it's God. It's been confirmed. Others, godly men and women around you say, man, that is, we see that in your life. This is this God dream. But here's the problem. It doesn't happen overnight. But here's God's problem. We're Americans. We've got timetables. We've got schedules. We've got iPhones. We've got calendars. We've got it down to the minute. We've got Google calendars now, baby. Does God not understand something? We've got, we're busy people. One of the things I've learned though, walking with Jesus is that delays are always inevitable. From the moment where God puts that dream in your heart to the manifestation, the fruition of that, there's a, there's a, there's a gap. I have an older brother. His name is Keith. He's two years older than me. And uh, I love my brother. He's a colonel in, in the army. He's done all kinds of stuff. He's a brilliant guy. I mean, he's a genius. He's got an MBA, CPA. He's just a brilliant guy. He's done three tours overseas. He's, he's, he's gonna, he went to, just got back from the war college. And this guy's a brilliant guy. I, I was not that smart. My mom told me all the time, you got a good personality. So, so I, I just, I, that's a positive past. All right. She said, you're going to have to sell something, Steve. I, you're just going to sell. <laughs> that was funny. I just kind of thought of that. I never said that before. <laughs> but it's true. My brother's a brother. So he was always trying to instruct me and teach me. Even though we were like, I, I'm, I'm six and he's eight. And he goes, Steve, we, we, we shared a room when we were little boys. And, and so we had two twin beds. He goes, Steve, I got to tell you something. I said, you know, it's like an instruction time. He's like, like, like I was one of his soldiers, you know. I, like, I got to tell you something. I said, yeah, Keith. He goes, you know, he's sitting over there. He's got a nightlight. He's reading Hardy Boys books, you know. Come on, Hardy Boys. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Come on, boxcar twins. 
Come on, Zoom. Talk to me, Zoom. All the 20 hours, what's he talking about? So he goes, you're going to learn to read tomorrow. I went, really? He goes, you are going to kindergarten. It's a big step in your maturity. You're going to go. I thought, man, I'm going to learn to read. This is awesome. Wow. I never forget. First day of kindergarten's over. I come back home. I'm crying. I'm shattered. Devastated. My, ma, my mom's like, Stevie, what's wrong? Stevie, come here, Stevie, come here. What's wrong, baby? Are you, are you, something happened. Somebody make fun of Somebody teach you. I said, no, mama. Keith, what did he do to you? I said, no, no. Last night, mom, Keith told me that when I went to kindergarten, I was going to learn to read, mama. And I didn't learn to read today, mom. I'm so upset. Now, that's funny, but that's how a lot of Christians are. Jesus puts a dream in your heart. There's a vision. It's gripped you. You know it's God. And you're like, Jesus, you got to 5.30 today. <laughs> Isn't that right? Because it's got to happen now, baby. I mean, come on. But one of the things I've learned is that, yeah, God's the dream giver. Everybody say, God is the dream giver. But say this, delays are always inevitable. If I ask you to, for a show of hands, how many of you would say that God's put something in your heart and it's taken a while, it's taken a lot longer than you thought? Well, same in the life of Abram. Genesis chapter 16, verse 1, look what it says. I'm just going to take you through the story. God calls him, he breathes this dream into his heart. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. And so Sarai said to Abram, see now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid, perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. Watch this. Watch this. Don't miss this. Lest we judge him in the sense of, oh, he just got impatient. After they had dwelt, how many years, say it, how many years? Ten years. Ten years. Not a month. Not two months. Not a year. Ten years. Ten years they dwelt. He's now 85. She's now 75. So he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Abram and Sarai had failed because, listen why. Look, 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 everybody look right here. Because they had taken matters into their own hands. How many times do we in our lives try to speed up the process of God? How many times do we try to make it happen? And again, I'm a type A personality. I've done all the little grams and all the little disc tests and all the little Myers-Briggs and all that. I'm very type A. I understand that. And one of the things that I have to watch in my life is that, is that, is that I want to get ahead of God, is that, is that God will speak. And, and, and so we, we do that. And I believe in being proactive. I be, believe in being fully engaged. But one of the things I realize is that we cannot produce, watch this, we cannot produce spiritual results with fleshly input. It's God's way, God's time. We do our part. We position ourselves. But God's the one that's going to have to make it happen. God's the one. If not, we can create Ishmael's. And Ishmael's a work of the flesh. God had put this dream in my heart, and I so wanted it to happen. I so wanted it to come to pass. I, I graduated from college in 1991. Then I went to Bible college. I went to seminary after college. 
And so I went to your Bible college, and it's really interesting. It's four semesters. And the last semester of Bible college is a lot of pressure on people to tell their friends where they're going in ministry. A lot of pressure. I mean, I just, I'm just being honest. They had people making up business cards, you know, and passing out, you know, what are you doing? And I never forget, one guy told me one time, I said, what are you going to do? He goes, oh, me? I'm called to be an apostle to Mexico. Apostle? Dude, that's like high-level stuff. You're an apostle? Mexico, that's amazing. How did you get into that deal? I asked another guy, man, what are you going to do? Say, oh, I'm, I'm a, God's shown me. It was a vision. I am going to be a prophet to France. A prophet? Like with a big P or a little P? Like a prophet? You're an apostle? You're going to be a prophet? Another guy says, well, you know, I'm going to be a youth pastor. My dad's got, you know, 10,000 people in the church. I'm going to be the youth pastor. There's 500 teenagers waiting for me. I've been going back in the holidays, and I cannot wait. I got fire shut up in my bones, just like Jeremiah. It's amazing. You're a youth pastor, you're an apostle, you're a prophet. What are you going to do, Steve? I, I told them just what everybody else says when they don't know. I'm still praying about it. That's code word for I don't have a clue. You know what I'm saying? I'm just praying about it. Just keep saying that. Just praying. I went back to New Orleans. I, I didn't, I, nobody was interested in me. I didn't have a job. And, and by the way, I tried to work at it, too. I kind of got my name out there a little bit, made some calls, you know, and just kind of just pushed it out there a little bit. Little, you know, just, just got it out there. You know, but I'm in this phase and God's working in my heart. And I went and I uh, actually enrolled in seminary after Bible school and I, I was waiting tables. My pastor at the time, he said, Steve, we really don't have the money at the church at the time to be able to hire you, but why don't you wait tables and uh, during the day so you can be available to do ministry, you know, for free and just, just do and just go to school and just do whatever. And I'm 24 years old. I said, well, okay. I said, so there's really not an option. There's not a paid position, although my, some of my other friends were hired by the church for pay, but I wasn't paid. So that's fine, you know, just because, you know, I just don't know how this works, you know, so that's fine. So I never forget, I was waiting tables, and my, this friend of mine, who I was a real good friend of mine, when I, I became a Christian my freshman year, I was turning 19, uh, October 27, 1987, I got saved, a month later, I turned 19, and, uh, and, and, and this was now four, three years afterwards, so I graduated, uh, no, actually this is more than that, 19, this is five years after that. My, we had been graduating from college for two, going into our third year, and I had a friend of mine whose dad was the number two guy, number two, in American Express. They lived in New York. This guy was brilliant. And he was a third-year medical student at Vanderbilt University, and he sat down. I never forget what he told me. He goes, Steve, you're, you're a talented guy. This is my friend. He goes, don't, the, the whole ministry thing, man, go, go do something. Go be an attorney. Go do, you're, you're talented, man. He told me that, my friend. Well, here he's sitting at my table, came into New Orleans from Mardi Gras, him and three of his friends. He had this red beard and red hair. I'll never forget it. And he's, he's sitting there. I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's gonna, I, I just know what's going to happen. Of course, I did what anybody else does. It doesn't want to face things. I went into the, you know, and all the waiters and I went, and I said, man, you know, I'm in the weeds. I can't really get, anybody get that table? And I was like, no, Steve, we can't get it. I'm like, what? <laughs> you got to get that table. No, you can't. I'm like, oh, God, I, gotta, I knew what I was going to face. It was the longest walk. It's like the plank. Because <laughs> I'm like, <sighs> I was like, boom. <sighs> And I got up there, had my little apron. By the way, I, I, I'm not making fun of being a waiter. There's great waiters, and there's some people that have a profession, but I, I was when I was trained to be. I was wanting to do something else, and don't email me. Where's the idiot? Pastor, don't read those emails anyway. But anyway, so. Oh, he may. He's holier than me. He's, you know, he's younger, too. But anyway, so. 
I'm just, just joking. So I get to the table. I get to the table, and, and, and I'm like, um, they're looking down at me. They're like, can I get y'all uh, can I get y'all something to drink? I never forget. He looked at me. He goes, Steve, dude, what are you doing? Didn't you like go off and become some sort of a priest? <laughs> Let me ask you something. How, how do you tell a guy he's not a Christian? He's not saved. He doesn't have a biblical worldview. He doesn't understand God's providence. How, how do you tell a guy like that? Oh, oh, brother. No, Jesus has me here building character in my heart. I'm growing in God. Growing, growing, growing in the Lord. Yeah, that's what's happening with me. Potter's wheel, baby. I added that. I've never done that one before. You guys got extra stuff here today. We'll let you know that. They don't understand that stuff. I never forget, I walked out to my car that day. I was just like, I was so dejected. I, I just, again, I, and I went, because I was like, when is this going to happen? All my friends are going, wow, they're doing all kinds of great stuff for God. And I went back and I got to my car. I just put my hands on. I said, God, you know what? If I have to do this the rest of my life, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to have a good attitude. And I'm going I'm to honor you. And I'm telling you something, it wasn't like rockets, red glare, and signs, and angels, but something happened in my heart that day. Something broke in my heart when I embraced, the pro when I embraced God's process in that in-between phase. Amen. By the way, by the way, you ever, you ever heard that? You ever heard people say that? Say, God is never, listen, what? Late. Yeah, you ever heard that before? Yeah, you ever heard that? I would actually say he's never early either. Actually, he tends toward late. I just, I'm not saying that's in the Bible. Well, it's somewhere in there. I'm just telling you. you. You know that scripture, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, and we love this. The pastor teaches great faith series. Matter of fact, y'all are in one right now. I may take it. It's so powerful. You know, you speak the word and faith. And we love faith. And I'm, I'm with them again. We walk by faith. I'm not diminishing that. I know that. I understand that theologically. But, but the Bible says in Hebrews 6, it's through faith. Everybody say faith. And what? Patience. We inherit the promise of God. I don't have all the answers, and I don't know all the why behind the what of why there is a delay phase, but I will say one thing. I do know this. God is growing us on the inside. God is growing our character. Why? So that when that dream does come to pass, when that promotion does come to pass, when you get your own business, when you finally do get married, whenever you get, whatever it is, let me tell you, you have the character to be able to sustain that. I had a single lady come to me and said, Pastor, I'm not going to one more wedding of a friend of mine. I'm so upset. When is my, I said, I don't know when your time's going to, but I'm going to tell you something. Let's embrace the process of, uh, you be the best single person that you can be. It's during that phase when all devils, every lie from the enemy, where's God now? Let me tell you where God is. God is working in my character. That's what God's doing. Everybody say, God is, God is. the dream giver. Dream. Say, delays are delays. always inevitable. Let me give you this third and final thing and we'll close. I got two minutes. Here it is. God's timing it's perfect. It's perfect. Genesis chapter 21, verse 1. Look what it says. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. How old was he now? Let me tell you. This was 25 years after. He was right at 100, 99, right at 100. 
She's 90. He's 100. It's 25 years after God spoke. Matter of fact, after that comma, can, 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 can we just read it after that comma? A son in his old age, those next four words, let's read it together as a church. Can we do that? The count of three. One, two, three. At the set time. Pastor, do you believe that God has a set time? Absolutely, I believe that. Absolutely, I believe that God has that. God is working in us. Remember this, you're not the only part of the equation. There's other things that God is doing. God is always working. He's working behind the scenes. He's working in our character. He's positioning us for promotion. God is doing things. So God is not tormenting you with that dream, but there's a timing attached to that dream. There's a timing attached to that dream. The Bible says at that set time, and of course the baby came forward whose name was Isaac, which means laughter. You guys have heard pastor teach on this. So powerful. When I got back from Bible school and I was working at that restaurant and right after this, this thing broke in my heart. Listen, listen, this is so important and I'll close. My pastor asked me, he said, Steve, I actually live with my, the associate pastor, he and his wife, I rented an upstairs, upstairs apartment for them. I graduated from college. I graduated from Bible school. I was going through seminary, but I was ready to roll. And he said, Steve, God's given me a vision. I said, what's that vision? He said, when this vision, I saw myself standing on the platform at East Jefferson High School, and there was a 1,000 teenagers, and I was speaking to them, and I'm going to start this what's called a success in life club where you can talk a little bit about God, volunteer basis with kids. So he did it. He went to the principal and spoke to these 1,000 kids. It's amazing. And then he met after school for three weeks. The first week there were seven kids. Then there was five kids. Then there was three. And he came home. And we were at dinner, he and his wife and me, he said, Steve, listen, I, I don't feel like I'm connected. I'm 36 years old, you're 24. I, I just, I just feel like you should do this. I said, Pastor, I, I'll be honest, I'll do it. I really don't like high school kids. <laughs> I said, but I'll do it. And I want to speak to college kids, you know, it's just pride. And so I did it. I said, can I just kind of change it up a little bit? He goes, yeah. So I changed it to lunchtime. I got some businessmen to give some money, bought some pizza. Next thing you know, we had 50 kids in that school, and then 75, then 100. Then we got into another school, and then another school, another school. By Christmas, we had about 200 people come. By the end of the year, we had 400 come in. Today, if you go online to nextgenerationclubs.com, and I say this, all glory belongs to God. I only did it for eight years, and it's, it's 25 years old. It's the largest Bible club network in the whole Gulf South. Just in New Orleans alone, there's 5,000 teenagers in 51 clubs just in New Orleans. Listen to me, listen to me closely. And I learned something. Listen, that dream is actually not my pastor's dream. It was God's dream. Do you know the dream in your heart is actually, you're just the steward over that dream. That's all it is. You're just a steward. Seven years after I went to my pastor said, God's put it in my heart to start a church. I don't know where to go. He says, well, go pray about it. I went to Houston, New York, Tech, New York. I went to Houston, Texas, Florida. And finally he says, why don't you go to Mandeville, Louisiana, pastor? I said, I don't know about that. It's just small. And and, and, and I'll never forget, I, I, we, we started the church at 19 people on a Saturday night. A year later, at the anniversary, we had 380 people. And I heard the voice of God. I know some people always talk about, I heard God, I heard. I hear God every day from the Bible. But every now and then, I'll hear that inner witness of the Holy Spirit. I don't even know what I'm talking about. And I heard that inner witness of the Holy Spirit said, now you're stepping into the dream that I have for you. But here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned. What can you do when you're waiting for the dream in your heart to come to pass? Here's what I found out. Serve somebody else's dream. 
I served my pastor with a high school dream. I've served my pastor. For one year, I got up at Church King and said, this is not my idea. This is God's idea. My pastor asked me to be here. I, this was not even my idea. How do you like that as a church planning strategy? My wife told me, you're discouraging the people. At some point, you need to be into this. <laughs> Listen to me. Some of you that are waiting to be married, why don't you be the best single person? Some of you that are waiting to start a business, why don't you be the best businesswoman that you can be? Serve that boss. Serve that leader. Some of you that are waiting to start a church. Serve in the house of God. Some of you that are waiting to do whatever. Let me, it's in that phase that you're growing. Serve somebody else's dream while you're waiting for your dream to come to pass. Come on, you guys receive that word today? You guys receive that? I'm going to ask you to stand, Pastor. Why don't you come on up? I'm going to pray for you guys and turn it back over to Pastor. I just want to say this. I am so proud of this church. So proud. Why don't this stand? I'm so proud of this church and Pastor Jeff and Brandy and all God's doing here in the team. And it's an honor to be connected with you guys. And this has been a dream. Let's just pray. Matter of fact, I'm not trying to be weird or hokey, but if you wouldn't mind just putting your hands right here on your chest. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you right now. I know there's some that are in that delay phase right now. God, I'm asking that you'd release your grace and your power and your peace that they would not throw in the towel. They would not give up, but they would stand in faith. Lord, do in them what you need to do to position them for that baby to come forth, for that dream to come forth. God, I'm speaking that. We're believing that. We're standing on your word. I pray a blessing over your people in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Can we give the Lord a hand clap? Come on, can we do that? We love you guys. You guys are amazing. God bless. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 